This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We'll be focusing on the words from Isaiah chapter 40, the first two verses. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive your comfort, that no matter what circumstances we could be going through, that that you would give us a, a word of comfort, that you would speak tenderly to our hearts and lift up our hearts, and don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of your word. In your name we pray, amen. I grew up in a family that loves to sing, And it started because of my grandfather's love of music. My grandfather taught uh, his children and his grandchildren how to sing. And so even today, that Grandpa Gady, he's in heaven. Even today, when we gather as a family, we still sing. And so when we go up north, uh, we gather around the the campfire and we sing, um, Let Me Call You Sweetheart. And then when we gather for Thanksgiving, we sing, Now Thank We All Our God. And then we gather for Christmas. All of us gather in a living room, usually about 50 of us in somebody's living room around a piano, and we sing, Joy to the World. But it's going to be hard to sing Joy to the World this, wor- this year, not just because we can't gather 50 people in one living room, but because it, there seems to be so few things to be joyful about. How are you? Are you struggling to get into the Christmas spirit this year? Are you struggling to find reasons to be filled with joy? We're continuing our sermon series called Light in the Darkness. And this is kind of an Advent Christmas sermon series. And and the reason we're doing this is because we're going through a season of darkness and, and we're looking for light in the middle of that darkness. We're looking for reasons to find light. We're looking for reasons that will lead us to sing songs of joy. That's really the the context of our reading from Isaiah. The, The Israelites were going through a season of darkness. They had been carried off into exile. And as they were going off into exile, they... They forgot any reason why they'd want to sing songs of joy. And we know that because in Psalm 137... They explain the, the, the feelings of lament they, they were going through. They have this, this word from Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs of joy. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? How can we sing songs of joy in the middle of a pandemic? 
How can we sing songs of joy when so much has been taken from us? How can we sing songs of joy even today? And that's why the Lord told the prophet to speak to the people in exile, to speak to those people who are walking in darkness and give them words of encouragement. So Isaiah 40 verse 1 is speaking to those exiles and and says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Speak a message to the people of comfort. And, And it said comfort, comfort twice because that's the Hebrew way of putting an exclamation mark behind the word. That the God is demanding that the prophet preaches a message of comfort. And he says speak tenderly. Literally means speak to the heart of the people. Say something that touches their heart. Say something that lifts up their heart. Speak to the heart of the people. Now, what could the prophet possibly say to people who lost their temple, lost their homes, lost their vineyards, and have been taken off into a foreign land where they don't know the culture, they don't know the customs, they don't know the language, and they're under hard service, and many of them would never come back? What could anyone possibly say to them? And what could I possibly say to you that would give you comfort today, no matter what you're going through? The Lord tells Isaiah what to say, tells the prophet what to say. He says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Those three phrases actually are the outline for the rest of the book of Isaiah. And it's going to be the outline for this sermon. Her her hard service is over. Her sin has been paid for. And she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. So let's look at that first phrase. Jerusalem's hard service has been completed. What does that mean? that, That her hard service has been completed? Well, the Jews were were in. Babylonian captivity for 70 years doing hard labor, hard service. They had been serving their their Babylonian captors, their tormentors for, for a long time. And now why did this happen? Why had they been taken off into Babylon in the first place? What, what, what was the cause of this circumstance? Well, we read later on in the book of Isaiah that it explains this verse, explains why they were in hard service. Isaiah 42 says this. Who handed Jacob over to become loot and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For they would not follow his ways. They did not obey his law. So he poured out on them his burning anger, the violence of war. He enveloped them in flames, yet they did not understand. It consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. The reason Israel went into exile is clear. God had allowed them to be captured by the Babylonians because for the last 800 years, they had been rebelling against God. They had been rejecting God over and over again, and they paid no attention to it. God sent prophet and prophet and prophet for 800 years, and they did not listen. And so now that they're in exile, they have time to think. They have time to be confronted by their sin. They have time to repent. 
Now, I have no idea why the Lord allowed us to go through this season, the pandemic, and all the things that we've experienced this year. I don't know what God is up to. But I do know that when I talk to many of you, many of you have said to me, you know what? This pandemic has slowed us down. This pandemic and this year has allowed us to just take an inventory of our priorities and see all the different ways that we have had messed up priorities and all the different things, uh, ways that we had been sinning in the past have been exposed and we've had a time to just sit and take them to heart. Now, Israel had been taking their sins to heart for 70 years and it just seemed like they kept on going on and on and on. In fact, they, they, they just kept on ruminating over their sin, ruminating over the consequences of their sin. They actually wrote a whole book of the Bible lamenting the situation they're in called the Book of Lamentations. They're just calling out in repentance to God that look at all the things that we did. Look at all the ways that we messed up. And they just kept on going on about how they messed up. I don't know if you've gone through that. I mean, I thought this whole situation would have been over quickly, but we've had a long season of hardship, a long season of waiting, a long season to be able to contemplate and think about a relationship with God. But I don't know about you, but, but after a long period of contemplating sin, all of a sudden you really start to beat yourself up. I understand why Martin Luther, the reformer who lived 500 years ago, when he was in the monastery, before he really understood the gospel, he would take a whip and he would whip himself as a way of kind of purging himself of all of his sin and all of his guilt feelings. I I understand that. But that's why the prophet was called to preach a message to the people, to them and to us. Her hard service has been completed. You can stop beating yourself up. Yeah, we need to take a moment to to repent of our sin and be confronted with our sin, but then there is a time to put that away and not to ruminate over it, not to beat ourselves up anymore, and you can let it go because your hard service has been completed. And the reason is later on in the book of Isaiah, he explains why God could say, you know what? Stop beating yourself up anymore. Your hard service has been completed. Because in Isaiah 43, the Lord says this, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. And so if the Lord has forgotten Israel's sin then they can forget their sin too. If the Lord is not holding their sin against Israel anymore, then Israel doesn't have to beat themselves up anymore. And let me tell you this. If the Lord has forgotten your sin, then you can forget it too. If the Lord has forgotten your sin, then you can forget it too. Your hard service is over. You can stop beating yourself up. That leads to a question, how can an all-knowing, all-powerful, eternal God forget our sins? I mean, I can't forget them. How could God forget them? And that leads to the next phrase that the prophet was told to say, speak tenderly to Jerusalem because her sin has been paid for. Her sin has been paid for. Israel committed real sin. Not to get too gruesome, but you need to know the reality of what was going on in Israel. 
for the last 800 years, Israel had been caught up in some pretty horrendous sin. When in 1400 BC, when, when Moses brought Israel to the banks of the, of the promised land, the land of Canaan, he said, now when you go into the land of Canaan, don't get caught up in the pagan worship of the Canaanite people. Don't follow their ways. But they did not listen to Moses. They followed the gods of the land like the god Moloch. And I don't know if you know this, but there's a god named Moloch that they would fashion like this with the arms out and there would be a burning basin at the bottom and they would roll their children down the arms of this god as a way to sacrifice their children to the god of Moloch. And then there was this god called the god of Asherah and it was, a, it was a god filled with all sorts of sexual immorality and they would give themselves over to all this sexual sin. And God had been sending prophet after prophet after prophet for over 800 years trying to call these people back to repentance and they would not listen. And so God sent them into exile but even those 70 years in exile was not enough to somehow pay for their sin. 70 years in exile was, was not enough to somehow make up for the things that they had done. So God had to do it. And all the things that we try to do to maybe make up in the future for what we've done in the past, there's not enough time for us to make up in the future for the things that we've done in the past. So God had to do it. And so what did he do? Well, later on in the book of Isaiah, we get an explanation as how God paid for our sin in Isaiah 53. This is really another beautiful explanation of Christmas. It says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Again, this was written about 600 years before Jesus. But we get a really detailed description of Christmas. That the, the nation of Judah and the whole monarchy had been chopped down like a tree. But on Christmas, a shoot came up from that tree, from that stump. His tender shoot named Jesus. And he was in that fragile condition of being laid in a manger, this tender shoot. And he grew up among the people. And there was, we hear there's no beauty or majesty that would attract us to him. Really, this is the only verse in the whole Bible that we get any kind of reference to Jesus' physical appearance. But there was no beauty or majesty that we would be attracted to him. So why would we follow Jesus? Well, then Isaiah goes on to explain what made Jesus so special. Not the way he looked, not, not, not where he was born or anything like that but what he did. It says in verse four, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What the prophet is telling us is that the story of Christmas leads to a cross. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we give each other gifts. That's what this is all about, is the story of the birth of Jesus leads to a cross. 
And Israel couldn't make up for all the things that they had done wrong the past 800 years. And so God came in and did it for them. We don't have the time or the capacity to make up for the things that we've done wrong. So God came in and did it for us. And all of his work of substituting for us, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was on him means our peace. He was wounded and so we are healed. And so you can be absolutely sure that you are forgiven and that God has forgotten your sin, that your hard service is over because it's been paid for in full through Jesus Christ. Your sins have been paid for. Christmas story leads to a cross. That's really good news. That gives us a reason to sing again. That gives us a reason to sing songs of comfort and joy. But I don't know about you, but what can happen to me is, is I can look back on that and think, that's great. My sins have been paid for. I don't have to beat myself up anymore. But then I look out into the future and you think, but I can still see the consequences of my sin. See, when we sin, it changes the trajectory of our life. When we sin, it changes the tra- trajectory of our life. And so maybe our sin has broken up our relationships in our home. Maybe our sin has caused us to go through financial problems because of some bad decisions we made. Maybe our sin has destroyed our health. And so we look out and think, well, I'm glad that I'm forgiven, but I still have to deal with these consequences and I don't know what to do. And it doesn't seem like I have enough time in my life to make up for all the consequences and to right all the wrongs that I've done. Makes me think of a book that I read this last couple of weeks. I was walking through the library and on the, uh, the new bookshelf, there was this book called Yes to Life in Spite of Everything by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl is one of my, my favorite authors. He's a Jewish psychologist who, who experienced uh, or survived the Nazi concentration camps. And he came out of that and, and tried to help his patients as a psychologist to find meaning and purpose in the most difficult situations like he was able to. Well, this is a a newly translated book. It it just came out this year with a series of lectures that Viktor Frankl gave back in 1946. And in these lectures, he explains that one of the reasons that we can feel like so filled with despair and want to give up on life, he says, because we can have this kind of almost financial balance sheet in our heads. That we look at our life and we think about all the, the things that we've done, like, like almost kind of like income, all the things that we've accrued, all the joy and happiness, like this income side of our balance sheet. But then we look at the expense side and we look at all the ways that, that we've messed up. We looked at all the things that we think we should have done, all the things that we ought to have done, all, the things, all these expectations that we've had in our life that we think I'm never going to make up for it. And we look at this balance sheet and we think, there's no way I'm going to be able to balance this out. There's no way I'm going to be able to get back in the black. That's certainly how Israel felt. They had 800 years of disobedience. God allowed their temple to be destroyed. God allowed their their homes to be destroyed. And they were taken off into captivity. And many of them would die in captivity. And they looked in their review mirror and they thought, there's no way I'll be able to make up for this. There's no way I'll be able to balance out this, this scorecard, this financial balance sheet. There's just not enough time to make up for all the problems that have happened in the past. And so in the middle of that despair, the prophet was told to say this third line from Isaiah 40. Israel has received from the Lord's hand 
double for all of her sins. What God was promising Israel, not only am I going to balance out this sheet, not only am I going to make your your, um, income and your expenses, I'm not not only going to balance that out, but I'm going to give you double what you need. I'm going to give you double for all of your sins. I'm going to put you way into the black. I'm going to give you a ton of credit here. You're just going to have a ton of it. Double blessing. What does that mean? How could that possibly happen? What does that mean for us today? Well, you go later on in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 65, as Isaiah looks out into the future on the second coming of Christ and where this world is headed and where God's story is headed in history. And he says this, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. The Bible begins, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And Isaiah says, I see a day when I'll make a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe that what that means is this is repeated throughout scripture is that God is going to renew this world or something like it. And the former things will not be remembered. Not that we will forget this life here, but in the world to come, we won't be filled with regret. We won't look back in the review mirror and be filled with regret. That God will delight over us and so we'll be filled with gladness and rejoicing and he's going to create a new Jerusalem. Everything that had been destroyed, he's going to renew it. He's going to take delight in his people and there's going to be no more weeping and no more crying. How could that be? How could it be that there'll be no more weeping, no more crying? How could God do this? Well, Isaiah goes on, the prophet goes on to explain, never again will there be an infant who lives only but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought of as a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered a curse. Now, obviously in the world to come, no one's going to die, but it's this poetic language of saying, if somebody was able to die at a hundred, that would be like a baby dying. That would be like a young child because people are going to live forever. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. Think about the comfort this would have given those exiles. The prophet was saying, you know what? Those vineyards that were destroyed, you're going to plant them again and you're going to get a double harvest and you're going to eat the fruit. You know those homes that were destroyed? You're going to rebuild those homes, but this time you're going to be able to live in them because I'm going to create a new heavens and new earth and that's where you're going to live and that's what's going to happen. And all the things that had been taken from you because of sin, because of the Babylonians, because of your sin, because of their sin, just because of being in the sinful world, everything that's been taken from you, you're going to get back in double blessing. That's really good news. Especially in the year that so much has been taken from us. You know, all the memories, all the gatherings, all the joy, all the things that we look forward to, so much has been taken from us, but we can look out and whatever has been taken from us because of sin, whether it's our sin, whether it's just being part of a sinful world, everything will be returned with double blessing, according to Isaiah. Israel will receive, the Lord's people will receive double for all of their sins. 
It makes me think of that hymn that I mentioned already earlier, Joy to the World, written by Isaac Watts. Do you know that that hymn, that ancient hymn, was actually not written for Christmas? That hymn, Joy to the World, was actually not written for Jesus' first coming. It was actually written in explanation to Jesus' second coming. When Jesus is going to come back and do what Isaiah says, that he's going, to, he's going to give us a double blessing. He's going to restore this world, that everything that's been cursed will receive a blessing. So listen to the words from that hymn and see how this is speaking to Isaiah 65, that God is going to give us double for everything that's been taken away. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. As far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. So whatever the curse of sin has touched in your life, God is going to replace it with double blessing in the life to come. Everything that hasn't been fixed already in this life will be fixed in the life to come. And we can already start living in the joy and the hope of that day. As far as the curse has touched your your life, so far, God's blessing will flow. The Christmas story leads to a cross that finds its end in the crown. When Israel was carried off into captivity, they couldn't find a reason to sing for joy they forgot how to sing. They they hung up their harps on the poplars because they couldn't find any reason to sing songs of joy. And that was a mistake. Because of God's promises, there is always a reason to sing songs of joy. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you've hung up your harp. I don't know if you've hung it up because, because you look out at your life and you think there's no reason I can think of right now to sing songs of joy. But you have God's promises. You don't have to beat yourself up anymore because your hard service is over. All your sins have been paid for. And wherever there's been a curse, God promises to give a double blessing. He will, you will receive from the Lord double for all of your sins. And so we have a reason to sing songs of joy. And that's what I want to do now. With all of you who are worshiping here in the ministry center or worshiping with us online, would you mind singing my family styles? Would you mind standing up and singing with me a cappella? It doesn't matter if you can sing in tune. I might not sing in tune, but we're going to sing Joy to the World together. Let's stand and sing. Ready? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to rediscover the joy of your promises. Help us to believe and and see that our sins have been paid for. We can stop beating ourselves up and to look forward to the day when you will restore all things through Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, 
and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.